I don't like repeating the same material three times. So what I do is, each yoyma that we're me'ayin in, I start with seminary base, I continue with you, and I finish tomorrow with seminary Aleph 1, which I do at 1 o'clock. So I started the story of the Rebbe's wedding with the seminary base girls, and I told them the whole story, except I didn't get to the wedding at all. So... <laughs> I'm going to be telling you the story. It's going to sound like it's from the beginning, but there's a whole pre- prefix to it. And then amidst Hashem tomorrow, there'll be a whole suffix. If anybody, the same speech, I give you every time. If anybody wants all three recordings, send me an email. I'll be delighted. I'll be thrilled. I'll be happy. I'll be flattered and honored to send it to you. Anyway, but today we're doing the Rebbe's Chassaneh. Okay, that's the topic. I told the girls a lot of background. How the Tzemach Tzedek had predicted that his oldest son's Descendants would be Rebbe after four generations. I talked to the girls about the Rebbe initially meeting the Rebbe Tzinchaya Mushka. I mean, the way the story seems to have happened was they met and there was discussion of a Shidduch and then trouble started. Exactly what kind of trouble is hard to know, but evidently the, the rumors are, and I never met Mr. Rumor, he's very hard to meet. Um, he likes to be evasive. Um, that the Rebbe's father was not entirely in favor of the Shidduch because the Rebbe's father knew with his Koyach of Kabbalah that there would not be any children. And the Rebbe said to his father, the Rebbe knows that also. The Fiyadik Rebbe also knows that. He nevertheless uh, wanted the Shidduch. Of course, they got married, right? They got married. Of course, as they say in the real world, they lived happily ever after. And unfortunately, physically, they never had any children, although spiritually, they have literally millions of children, the Rebbe and the Rebbe's Um but that seems to be what happened. The Rebbe met the Rebbe in the 1923, or the end of 1922, and they got, got married in 1928, between 1922 and 1923, 1928, to six years. So there was the reasons the wedding was delayed. It seems that even later on, one of the reasons became financial. The Fiedekab wanted to make a very, very big wedding for the Rebbe the Rebbe came like the Rebbe 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 the found the treasure, and he sent the whole treasure to Fiedek Rebbe as a matana, and with that money, the wedding of the Rebbe was made. What year was Tafresh Pei the end of 1928. It was November 1928. The Rebbe was 20, 1928, the Rebbe was, was, was 25 and a half. Was that old for those days? I think so. And the Rebbe was 26 and a half. She was a year older than the Rebbe. Now, there's a story which I did not tell the girls from the other group, which I should have told them, but the fact that I didn't tell them is your, their loss is your gain. It's an interesting story with a, with a piece of history. And again, I, I, people have criticized me for telling the story. I shouldn't tell the story because I'm embarrassing that I obey him. I don't know what. Bottom line is the story is now printed in a book, so nobody can hold it against me telling the story because the story is well known. The Rebbe and the Rebbe met. In the early 20s, 23. Subsequent to those meetings, while the Fiedekev was still living in Rastav, the Fiedekev moved away from Rastav in 1924, the Rebbe Sinchana traveled to Rastav by herself. The Rebbe's mother came to the Fiedekev Rebbe. She stayed in the house for a few weeks. She stayed in the house of the Fiedekev for a few weeks. There was a tradition in the olden days, which of course we would never do because we are really modern and sophisticated and cultured and logical and idiotic and fantastic which was to uncook in the kala, right? In the olden days, how did you choose a wife? Take a wild guess. How did a guy choose a wife? Or take a wild guess. How did a girl choose a husband? She asked her brothers. 
or her father. He asked his mother or sisters. That's how Shaduchim were done. When a boy and a girl had to get married, the boy didn't meet the girl. What's a boy know about girls? His sister met the girl. It actually makes sense. There's a point of a boy and a girl meeting. You're not allowed to get engaged without seeing the person. It's a din. But what does a boy know about a girl? What does a girl know about a boy? The Shaduchim were made by siblings or by parents. So the Rebbe Tzanchana came to the Fiyadikim's house and she lived there for a few weeks. She wanted to see how the house runs. And of course she observed the Rebbe Tzanchayim Bushka up close. And the end of the story was at the end of that visit, now this is part of the story you want to listen to, she had an appointment of Yechidus and Fiyadikim Rebbe. And she said to the Fiyadikim Rebbe, my husband gave me the authority to agree to the Shidduch. The Blavik gave the Rebbe Tzanchana the right to decide yes or no. And she decided affirmative. She said, yeah. She's agreeing to the Shidduch. But there's a condition. The Rebbe, Rebbe's father, Rebbe Levik, made a condition. That the Shidduch was based on a condition. What's the condition? Nadn. Do you know what Nadn is? A dowry. A dowry. What's a dowry? Which Pasha is that in? Preserving. It's in the story of Dino. It's in Architas. It means add a big dowry, a big... I'm rich. Right? We all know the story of Shem and Chamoir. And they, they did something terrible. And they wanted that Dina should marry Shem. And you'd, you name your price, you got it. It's called a dowry. In the olden days, a boy and a girl got married. The girl's family had to give the boy and the boy's family wealth, a shidduch, as a part of the shidduch. It's called Nad. They used to give chickens and goats and whatever else. Um, but of course, the basic Nad is money. Now, most couples that get married today, I don't know too many people who have Nad. It's, it's, you can barely afford to pay for the wedding. How are you supposed to make Nad? But in the olden days, that was part of the package. A boy got married, especially a chosen like the Rebbe. The presumption was that the Mukhatan were going to give him money that would allow him to sit and learn for a while, that would help him start a business. The dowry was supposed to be substantial. It wasn't supposed to be 10 cents. It was supposed to be a lot of money. The Rebbe twice. You know that the Rebbe twice asked from someone for Nadin? Twice. The Rebbe asked for Nadin twice. The Rebbe said, I'm Tzadah Chosen. When Abiel Khan got married, the Rebbe said to Zalman Butman, you have to give him Nadin. Ich bin Tzadah Chosen. The Rebbe said, I'm the Chosen. Tzad, his parents were in Israel. You have to give him a dowry. And Isaac Shveil of Hashem also. The Rebbe insisted that the, Isaac was a Yosem. He didn't have a father, and the Rebbe said, You want this Chosen? I'm the Chosen's Tzad, you have to give a dowry. So the Rebbe's mother told the Friedrich Rebbe that the condition of the Chosen is that you have to give the Friedrich The Rebbe's like, not an hour, Rebbe, not. So the Friedrich Rebbe said, I have no money. It was a very difficult time, there was no money in the house. So the Rebbe Tzinchana said, Drum roll, please. I'm not asking for money, I'm asking for Rabistve. Rabistve. The Naden is that the Rebbe is next. This is a true story, girls. Before the Rebbe and Rebbe got engaged, the Rebbe's mother told the Rebbe, the Fiedeke Rebbe, that my husband insists that he asked for a dowry, and the dowry is a guarantee for succession. A guarantee that the Rebbe is going to be the Rebbe after the Fiedeke Rebbe. I know the story from two different sources. There was a Jew who passed away very young. His name was Yossi Kazin, Allah Shalom. He told me the story personally. He heard it from Matul Kazerminsky, who heard it from Chaim Lieberman. Chaim Lieberman, the Fiedeke Rebbe's secretary, 
in the Pasha of the Sfarim, he joined the other team, Vimezakht, and he left 770. On his deathbed, he revealed the story that he was in the house when the Rebbe Tzanchana came in 1923, 27 years before the Rebbe became a Rebbe, and there was a negotiation that the Rebbe is going to be the next Rebbe. The story is also printed in a book from Abzalman Garadi, which is called Bechol Beis in Emanu. He was also in the house. And he also remembered the story. And he also repeated the story. And I think there's a third source of the story. There was a Jew who lived in New York. His name was Haraf Sender Reinin. He was a, a clean-shaven Jew, a big, big chassad on board. He remembered the story as well. So when the Fidikim passed away, and the Rebbe is refusing to become Rebbe, he said, excuse me, this was this is a precondition to your wedding. You know what he answered? The Fidikim never told me. He knew the story. I assure you, his parents told him the story more than once. But the Friedrich Rebbe, he, I have to hear from the Friedrich Rebbe, not from my father, not from my mother, I have to hear from the Friedrich Rebbe. The Friedrich Rebbe never told it to him. And then the end of the story was that Chassidim went to the Oihel, and they said to the Friedrich Rebbe that the Rebbe is saying, that he was never told. It was like Boimir. That day the Rebbe visited the Oihel, he never used that excuse again. The excuse of the Chabbish he never used again. But before the Rebbe was engaged to be married, this was a precondition that the Rebbe would be the next Rebbe. Now, so when the Fidik Rebbe agreed, the Rebbe Zanchana said, I want you to put it in writing. I want a ksav. So the Fidik Rebbe said, I can't put it in writing. And then there's two suffixes, two different versions. Again, I heard the story from two different people. From Chaim Lieberman I heard, Chassidim v'alalein fashtein, Chassidim will understand themselves, and in Zalman Gerari Sefer it says, Ba'un's avort is avort. By us, when we give you our word, it's our word. In other words, most people, words have no kayach, words are called in halacha, people, I can promise you a million dollars, I owe you not ten cents, because words have no kayach, but when it comes to kachim, it comes to holy things, words are like an action. So the Fiyadik Rebbe said, my words are as good as a shtar. So before the Rebbe was engaged, this was already negotiated. Now there's a bunch of stories. The Rebbe's engagement was complicated, um, apparently. Why the, was it so important to the Russian that Oh, the correct answer to that question is, I don't have a clue. But I have a whole imaginary, I have a whole version, a whole story, which I told the other group. Rebbe Leivik thought he's supposed to be a Rebbe. Because the Tzemach Tzedek said that after four generations, it's going to come back to their branch of the family. When the Blavik didn't become a Rebbe, and the Rebbe became a Rebbe, the Edim, he said, oh, I made a mistake in the generations, the Rebbe is going to be the Rebbe. Do you know a story that I heard, and again, I can trace, I know the names of the people all the way back. There was a Yid by the name of Reb Simcha Gorodetsky. He was a big chassid. You know Simcha Gorodetsky, you know why? His granddaughter is Mrs. Raskin in high school. Yepsin Hagaradetsky was in Siberia for many years. He was in a lot of places. He came out of Russia much later. He didn't come out with all the Anash. He was a big chassid. Simcha Hagaradetsky was in the Rebbe's parents' house in the 1930s. And the mail arrived. Rebbe Leivik picks up the mail. He sifts through the mail. Puts it down. Rebbe Leivik, the Rebbe's father, puts on his kapota, puts on his hat, puts on his gartel, washes his hands and opens a letter. Now, when was the last time you got a letter from anybody and you put on your hat and your gatla and you washed your hands? So Reb Simcha says to Reb Levik, who is that letter from? He figured it must be from the Friedrich Rebbe. 
And Ablavik was not considered such a big cost of the Fiyadik Rebbe, which is why he wanted to see. He says, it's a letter from my son. So Rabsimcha says, for your son, you put on your gatl and you wash your hands. So Rablavik said to Rabsimcha Gorodetsky, which means he passed me by a long time ago. The Rebbe's father knew who the Rebbe was. He had a very, very high opinion of his son. And it was very important to him that this should happen, that the Tzemach Tzedek's promise, that after four generations, it would come back to that branch of the family, should be seen through, should happen by Poyal Mamish. Now, of course, I told the girls in the other room the story. They all left Russia at the end of 1927, Tafresh Pechas. Between the time they left Russia and the Hassan, it was about 14 months. A little bit less than 14 months. Now, of course, the plan was that the Rebbe is going to live in Riga, Latvia, where the Fiyadik Rebbe lived. The Latvian government told the Rebbe he can't stay in the country. The Rebbe left Russia on a Russian passport. And by the way, the Rebbe came to New York on a Russian passport. The Fiyadik Rebbe changed his citizenship to Latvian citizenship. And being a Latvian citizen would end up saving his life. Our Rebbe never bothered changing his passport. He remained a Russian citizen. And he had to live in other countries only as a student. This is one of the explanations in Das Tachtum. The Rebbe had to be in school all of those years. Even though if you read his transcripts, he missed more than half the school days. If there were 100 days of school, the Rebbe came for 47 of them. was because he had student visas. In Berlin, he had a student visa. He was living in the country as a student. When he moved to Paris, he was living as a student visa. When he finished school in 1938, Debe first applied for French citizenship, which of course never happened because the war came. But Debe was using a Russian passport. So they did not allow him to stay in Riga, in Liga Latvia, he had to leave. So even though Debe was marrying the Friedrich Rebbe's daughter, the Rebbe Sanchalia Mushka, they were separated by countries, Debe went to live in Berlin. There's evidence, and again, I'm not sure 100%, but there's evidence that while the Rebbe was still single and living in Berlin, the Rebbe's brother Label joined him. He also got out of Russia. He also came to Berlin. He was also a student. And the Rebbe and Label were roommates for a while. Once the Rebbe got married, obviously they couldn't be roommates anymore. But until the Rebbe and the Rebbe got married, the Rebbe and his brother shared a room. And I told the girls from Seminary Bay a story about a chassid whose name was Shmerel Sasonkin. No, 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 no. Whose name was... Zelig Shlonim, that he visited Rebbe in Berlin. He was a cousin of the Rebbe's. And he told the Rebbe, I want to go to your wedding in France. I'm having a, in, in Poland. I'm having a very hard time getting a visa, a permission to enter the country. And the Rebbe went with him to the immigration office to negotiate that they should let him come to our Rebbe's chasaneh. So Zelig Shlonim laughs says, imagine the Rebbe helped me come to his wedding. That was the Rebbe. Anyway, the... The Rebbe was in Berlin and the Fiedrich Rebbe was in Latvia. Now the Rebbe used to come to, his, to the Fiedrich Rebbe, to the Shved, for every Yom Tov. He came for Sukkot, he came for Pesach. The wedding took place in Kislev in Poland. The Fiedrich Rebbe made three weddings. The small wedding, the first wedding was not even a wedding. It was a Kiddush. They had, they drank lemonade. They had no money for mashkin. When the Rashag married Hanagrai, there was such poverty in the house that the Imamish served sardines and crackers. It was, the wedding was incredibly impoverished. It was a very, very hard time in Russia. They got married. The chup of a Kedushan, you know, were the same. It was kosher, legit. But it was, there, was, there was no expense disposed for in that wedding. There was just no money. When the younger sister got married, her name was Shandel. She got married in Sadat Bez, I think, in 32. 
The Rebbe made a nice wedding, three days wedding, in a in a in a in a retirement area near Vilna. The wedding was attended by a lot of Gedeli Yisrael, but it was nowhere near the kind of grand event as our Rebbe's wedding was. Our Rebbe got married in Varsha. Warsaw was the Jerusalem of Poland. Warsaw had hundreds of thousands of Jews, including some of the greatest tzaddikim, the greatest Rebbe's lived in Varsha. And the Rebbe invited all of them to the wedding. The Friedrich Rebbe invited all Tzadikei Poland to come to the wedding. And this was real, the Friedrich Rebbe's hello. Russian Hasidis and Polish Hasidis had been separated by borders and oppression. The Rebbe had come out of Russia, he was living in Poland, and he, this was his hello to the Polish Tzadikim. Many Hasidic Rebbe's came personally to participate in the Rebbe's wedding. The Radzina Rebbe was there, a lot of the Rebbe's. Some didn't come personally, they sent Shluchim, the Gede Rebbe sent his brother, the bells the Rebbe sent to Shliach. But most of the greatest Rebbe's came to the Rebbe's wedding. The Rebbe's wedding was therefore a royal event. It was very, very grand. It was attended by some of the greatest Jewish leaders in Poland. Rabbi Menachem Zembe was at the Rebbe's chasaneh. Rabbi Meir Shapiro was at the Rebbe's chasaneh. The Rebbe got to know these people personally, and they also got to know the Rebbe personally. And for the Fidelik this is very, very important. Officially, the reason the wedding was so large is because the Fidelikah was introducing himself to Yadus Poilin, because the Fidelikah had three daughters, and you're not allowed to show deference to one over the next. I mean, I'm sure all the Fidelikah's daughters were wonderful, but only one of them was marrying a Rebbe. In other words, only one of them was a Rebbe. So the weddings were not the same. But the official reason for why the Rebbe's wedding was so large was because it was introduction to Yadus Poilin, but it was important for the Fidelikah Rebbe that they should meet the Rebbe. And when they met the Rebbe, they were overwhelmed. When the Polish Rebbe's met the Rebbe, they were absolutely overwhelmed. And a lot of them would remember that 30, 40, 50 years later when the Rebbe became a Rebbe. They would remember the young man that they met by the chasne. It was over, the Rebbe's presence was extraordinary. It was incredibly impressive. In any case, the wedding started in Riga. Because you have an ufruf. The Shabbos for the chasne was an ufruf. The girls, the women, left before Shabbos. The Rebbe Tzachai Mushka and her older sister Chana was married already, and the Rebbe Tzachai Medina and the Rebbe Tzachai Nesara and the younger sister Shandel, they left before Shabbos. They went to Poland for Shabbos because they had to push it buy clothing for the wedding and for the Sheva Brachas, and there was apparently <coughs> places to buy better clothing in Poland than in Latvia, hard to imagine, but that was the fact. So the men stayed behind and the Ufruf was in Rige. The, the Rebbe Zagazuz and our Rebbe was called of the Lee in the Fidik Rebbe Shul in Rige. The field was a bit Kiddush, that Shabbos. And the Rebbe said, a maimir with Hashem, the maimir is printed, in which he explains the idea of Aliyah Latayr. Oh, I forgot something important. There is a tradition that you girls are not going to notice until you're marrying off your own children. That's called Tnoim. Tnoim is that by the Kabbalah's Ponim, they read a, a, a note of conditions. That the two sides make. And then the custom is that the mothers of the chasna and the kala break a plate. What you don't understand is that that piece of paper, by the time it's written in red, is obsolete. Because the tenoim is supposed to make it the beginning of the engagement. When a boy and a girl get engaged, the parents have to agree have to, to what they're obligating themselves. In other words, in the olden days, a chasna and a kala became engaged, the parents sat down and said, okay, I'm going to give this, and you're going to give this. They wrote down on a paper. And you had to meet the tnoim. If you didn't give everything you promised, they could take you to Bezden. And it was very, very complicated. So tnoim became a big obstacle, because oftentimes people would make conditions and they couldn't keep them. And weddings, 
And there's a curse, there was a curse in the Tnoim, there was a hate of don't ask. So really the Tnoim should really be abolished completely. The tradition, we don't want to give away a minna Yisrael, so our custom is by the Kabbalah Sponim, the Tnoim are written, and it's all about the conditions that are supposed to take place during the engagement. And it's about a half an hour before the wedding, they read the Tnoim, but in the olden days the Tnoim away when the Chal became engaged. In the, the Rebbe and the Rebbe Tznoim were also made before the wedding, but not six years before their wedding, six days before their wedding. The Rebbe, the Rebbe said, got married to the Yidal Kislev, the Tnoim were made on Vov Kislev, eight days before the wedding. The Rebbe Satan wrote Tnoim, the Fidikim did, and he wrote a letter to Chaim Mushka, the Rebbe Chaim Mushka, which is printed in Nikos Kedish. Mazel Tov, today we made Tnoim, and we made a Kenyan, and we broke a plate. And so on. We didn't know this till recently that the Rebbe and the Rebbe Tznoim were made on Vav Kislev. The reason this is important to me is because that is my wedding anniversary, Vav Kislev. So after the fact, it became, you see, I got married on a special day, except when I got married, I had no idea that it was special. Um, after Shabbos, the Rebbe, the men's contingent, left Riga and they went to Poland. Now, one of the sad pieces of the story is that there were Lubavitcher Hasidim who had just come out of Russia, who were in Riga, who were not allowed into Poland. The Rebbe's personal secretary, each of the Mchacha Fagin, had already left Russia, and the Polish government would not let him into the country. He missed the Rebbe's chasaneh because the Polish government did not give him a, a, a rights to enter into the country. The Friedrich Rebbe came on a train together with the Rebbe and a whole bunch of Bechubadim. And there's a wonderful letter, which is printed now in Igris Kaidish, from a Yid by the name of Eli Chaim Altoiz. Eli Chaim Altoiz was a a Nikolayev. Does anybody know the significance of that? The Rebbe was born in Nikolayev. Elechaim Altois was by the Rebbe's bris. Elechaim Altois was by the Rebbe's opsharen. He knew the Rebbe as a child. He was now a senior chassid, very close to Fidik Rebbe. He was so, the Fidik Rebbe calls him, you did nefesh, you did base Rebbe, so close to Fidik Rebbe. He was, he was older than the Fidik Rebbe, he was an old man. You girls know about Achaisat Mimim, yeah? So they had the Royim, you know that term Royim? That they, they didn't have Mashpim, they had the Royim. That's what the term that I used. One of the Royim of Achaisat Mimim was this Elechaim Altos. He was unfortunately killed by the Nazis. He was a very special Chosset, a very hard ticket Chosset. He knew the Rebbe from childhood. He was the Rebbe's Shoyman. He followed the Rebbe around for the last couple of days before the wedding. So he writes intimately, hour by hour, the time that he spent with the young Chassan, with our Rebbe, he wrote these letters to his children who were still living in Russia, so they should have some idea what was going on by the Rebbe. He wrote two beautiful, beautiful letters. One he wrote in conjunction with the Chassaneh, and the other one he wrote in conjunction with Tishrei Tafresh Tzadik, that the Fidik Rebbe was in America, so our Rebbe acted in lieu of the Rebbe in Riga, and he was there, he describes that whole Tishrei. So he was the Rebbe Shoyman. So they arrived in Poland on Sunday night, the Fidik got off the train and there were hundreds of photographers and you know how many Yiddish newspapers there were in Warsaw in 1929? <coughs> if you tell me there were 40 or 50, it wouldn't be an exaggeration. In those days, everybody read newspapers. Uh, today, nobody even knows what paper is. In those days, there were newspapers. There were all these papers in Yiddish and Polish and whatever it was. And the Rebbe, the Rebbe is coming to Poland. The Rebbe was so famous. He was the Jew who defeated Stalin and on and on. The Fidik got out of the train and he had to stand and pose for pictures and answer questions. The Rebbe and El Chaim snuck out of the train station. Literally snuck out of the train station before people could catch them. The Rebbe was not on display. The Rebbe didn't have to stand the impulse for pictures. He was only the chassan. The Rebbe had, quote, better things to do. And him and El Chaim describes them sneaking away. 
And what happened was they went to the wrong hotel. <laughs> they, they, they went to the hotel where they were supposed to go. They ended up in the wrong hotel. Their bags went to one hotel. They went to a different hotel. They ended up paying for more than one hotel. I mean, the whole thing was a couple of nights. Once the Rebbe got married, obviously, he, he went to the same hotel where the Fiyidik Rebbe was. Um, but Elchaim describes being with the Rebbe the last couple of days. And throughout his writing, you have these musings. He's talking to himself. And he's writing, you know, we know this Mendel when he was a little boy. He uses the word Mendel. And he was so pure and he was so holy and he was so intelligent. But now he's faced the big world. You know, the Rebbe had already then. Before, in Russia, the Rebbe had gone to college. In Leningrad and then in Berlin. And he writes, is it the same Mendel? Is it the same Mendel? And then he describes the Rebbe getting ready for his chasaneh. The way the Rebbe did Mincha, and the way the Rebbe did Tshuva, and the way the Rebbe cried, and he finishes, it's the same Mendel that we knew as children in Nikolaev. This is one of his musings. Another one of his musings that you have in this letter is, I'm standing and I'm watching this young man get ready for his chasaneh. To the daughter of everything that is precious to us. He keeps referring to the Fiyad of Rebbe. Kal lonu, anything which is precious to us. And I'm standing, watching this young man getting ready to go to the chuppah with the daughter of all that is precious to us. And I'm asking myself, how much of my future and your future is bound up in this young man? He's, he's, he's talking about, you know, what, what would be. And he's correct. But he describes it very emotionally. How much of the future, your future, my future, our children, your children, is, are bound up in this young man who's getting ready to go to his chup. And of course, that would all, that's the way it would play out. He describes asking the Rebbe to lay down, the Rebbe refused, it was very, they wouldn't rest for a minute. He spent the entire day learning the Reishis Chochmah, the day of his wedding. Now the wedding was supposed to start early. The wedding was called like 3, 4 o'clock, supposed to be the chuppah. Lepoile was very, very late. The Rebbe's wedding with Pail ended up being like 7 o'clock. The chuppah was much later than scheduled. Now you have to understand, Poland, Varsha, had hundreds of thousands of Jews. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions. And a good percentage of them called themselves chassidim. So you had a lot of curious onlookers. Hundreds of thousands of people came to watch the chuppah. They wanted to see what goes on in Lubavitch. This is what it was. A chassidish Everybody went. The only way to make the wedding orderly was you had to have tickets. To get into the wedding, you needed a ticket. And there were different tickets. Why? Because the chelik haruchni and the chasne, the kabbal's ponim and the chuppah took place in the yeshiva. There was teim chetmimim in Varsha, which was probably a small building. The dinner and the, the dancing took place in a hall. So when you were invited to the wedding, if you got invitations to the Fiyad Chasne, depending on who you were, you got, I think, one, two, or three tickets. If you got one ticket, you were invited to one part of the wedding. Let's say the dancing at the end of the wedding. What we would call today, Simchas Chasna If you got two tickets, that means you were invited to Simchas Chasna and the Sudas Chasna, the dinner. If you got three tickets, three different tickets, you were invited to the Simchas Chasna to the Sudas Chasna, and to the Kabbalah's Ponim. And the Friedrich never decided who he invited to his wedding. And Chassidim, Lubavitch Chassidim, who were out of Russia, got personal invitations to the Friedrich Rebbe with tickets Right, there was a Yid named Yechen and Gordon who describes being at the wedding. He got three tickets. He was at the Kabbalah's Ponim, he was at the Sudas Chasne, and he was at the Simchas Chasne. And everybody got tickets based on when, you know, there, was, I'm sure, there, wasn't that much, there wasn't enough room for all the people, certainly at the Kabbalah's Ponim. And police stood at the door and checked your tickets. I'm sure there were many people who snuck in anyway, but 
Polish policemen were, were commissioned, maybe they were paid, to make sure that there was order. The Kala was in one room, the Chosm was in another. And the Chaim Altus was an old man, and so he made the terrible Aveda to go look at the Kala. And he describes in his letter how she looked. They made a garden, an indoor garden with waterfalls. He describes it very elegant, very, very articulately. You could see that he, he has a feel for it. The, 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 the Kala's room, it was, it was part of the yeshiva, was made to look like a garden. It was inside with a waterfall and trees. It was beautiful. And he just, huh? Who was this? Elichayim Altois was his name. You can read this letter. It's printed in English, Kaidish, and I'm sure it's been translated into English. It's very interesting. He describes how the Rebbe Chaya Mushka looked. I mean, he was a chsidish yid. I guarantee you, he wasn't a person who went to the women's section with the wrong machshavas. He pushed it, wanted to see the Friedrich Rebbe's daughter. And he describes to his children in Russia how it looked. And the chasm was in another room. And of course, the Friedrich Rebbe got up by the Kabbalah's ponim. And he said a famous, famous paragraph. It's very, very famous. Which we all know. And we all, uh, at least a lot of us, repeated by our own weddings, it begins with the words Yaduo Mafursim. Yaduo Mafursim means it's known and it's famous that by every single chasaneh, three generations of ancestors come to participate in the wedding. That means parents and grandparents and I guess great-grandparents. And the Rebbe said, this is by everybody. And by some people it's more and even more. So the Mela, I'm going to say a chasidus to feed the kid. I'm going to say a maimah chasidus. In this maimah, there's going to be a piece from my father a piece for my grandfather, a piece for my great-grandfather, the great-great-grandfather of the Chosen, a piece from the Mittler Rebbe, a piece from the Alter Rebbe. And then he finished with the words, When you say Torah from a Rebbe, and you say it in his name, it should be as if you see him. When the Friedrich Rebbe used to say that, my Mechazal, there was an understanding at the Friedrich Rebbe could push it, see them physically. When the Rebbe used to quote that Maimah Chazal, there was an understanding that he actually saw them in the room. And then the Friedrich Rebbe said, the Maimah, Lachodei Nekizkala, which is a relatively short Maimah. Then after the Maimah, they went to the Bedeken. Now the Friedrich, the Rebbe's parents went out the wedding. The Rebbe's parents were not allowed to come to the wedding. One of the reasons the Rebbe's wedding kept getting delayed, there was, I, I told the girls in the other group, there were three reasons why the wedding was delayed. One of the reasons was because they were hoping that the Rebbe's parents would be given permission to leave Russia for the wedding. And the government said no. They kept on trying, they kept on trying. Eventually they gave up and they finally set a date for the wedding more than a year after the Rebbe and the Rebbe and the Mishpacha had left Russia. So who was the Unterfeder on the Chosnitz Tzad? And this is interesting. This is very interesting. The Friedrich Rebbe's Shver and Shvigi were present. The Rebbe and the Chamedina's parents were at the wedding. Rebbe's Nechamedina's father and mother, his name was Avram Schneerson, and her name I think was Chave. They lived in Nezhen, they were at the wedding. But they were not the Unterfeders. Who was the, me- the Unterfeders for the Rebbe? Moshe Hakoyen Horenstein. Moshe Hakoyen Horenstein was married to a daughter of the Rebbe Marash. In other words, he was the Fiedek Rebbe's uncle. And his wife was the Fiedek Rebbe's aunt, the Rebbe Rashab's younger sister. Their son, Mendel Horenstein, would later marry the Fiedek Rebbe's youngest daughter, Shandel. Moshe Akoyen Horenstein were the other Unterfeders. Okay, and by the way, from what I understand, that when the Rebbe and the Rebbetzin, when the Rebbetzin went to her chuppah, they went as a couple. In other words, when the Rebbe went to the chuppah, he was taken by two men. When the Rebbe Zechariah Mushka was taken to the chuppah, 
the Fidikeb went back and took her. In other words, even though Shoshvene means two couples, a man and a woman, and by us it's the two men lead the Chassan and the two women lead the Kala, the Fidikeb went back to lead the Rebbe Tzachaya Mushka to the Chuppah, and uh, Mrs. Mrs. Sternberg said that the Rebetzin told her, I can still feel the way my father was holding my hand. That the walk down steps, and she, she couldn't see where she was walking. And the Rebbe was holding her so she shouldn't fall. So the Rebbe Zechariah would say, Can I feel them tatin's hand? I could still feel how my father held me. The Rebbe Zechariah would say that 40 years after her wedding, 50 years after her wedding, I can still feel how my father held me, they took me to the Chuppah. So this is interesting. In other words, in that wedding, it sort of seems that the Shashvini should be couples, not like we do it. A father and a mother should take a chasm to the Chuppah, a father and a mother take a chasm to the Chuppah, which is not how we do it, but this is what happened. Give me one minute and I'll let you talk. The Rebbe went with Moshe Harenstein into the Kala section and they did the Badekin. And after the Badekin, they went into a private room. I'm going to get to this in a moment. Just go ahead. I was just going to ask some people do, some people don't. Why is it I, I honestly do not know the answer. The, the, I mean, I'm assuming it's tradition. You do what your parents did, you know. My father was taken to the chuppah by two men. My father's mother was not at his wedding. My father's mother had passed away. Um, and my mother was taken, so Zangiz my both her parents, Zangiz by by her mother and her shviger, because that's how their parents did it. It's very possible that someone decided at some point that we need a higher standard of tznias. But I've seen many Lubavitcher weddings. Many Lubavitcher, in the Gerari Mishpacha. And Gerari's are a substantial portion of Lubavitch. They all do couples. They all do couples. The Gerari Mishpacha, it's always a father and a mother leading a chasen to the chuppah and so on. Even videos of the chasen with the Rebbe himself inside the Gedushin, you see that in that family, they go to the chuppah couples. Not two men and two women. I really don't know. If, I, if I'm going to keep on talking, I'm not going to come up with a better answer. Go ahead. Um, how was the water? Obviously beautiful. He describes her as being pale. Uh, her face was angelic, white. I'm assuming that with the makeup that she was wearing, but that's how he describes her. The picture that you see, she's pale. The picture in the hallway is from her wedding. You know, in the hallway, just hanging a picture of the rabbits, and that's from the day of her chasana. That's her wedding dress. Did you she got wear like two, like several different dresses, but she didn't wear white. The rabbim didn't wear white. The Beisad didn't wear white. He described as being pale. I, I, you, I'd be so much more comfortable if you would ask a woman that question rather than a man. But you could read the letter inside. He describes her as pale, very white. Very, he describes her beautifully, but this is, this is the, spe- the specific characteristic that you're asking me about. That she was very, uh, she looked, again, I'm assuming it's from the makeup, she was white, whitish. But I don't know what that means. Um, then they went into a private room. The Rebbe, the Fidi came and the Rebbe went to a private room to get ready for the chuppah. At first, a whole bunch of people went in, and then the Fidi came told most of the people to leave. You know what happens, right? A chasm before a chuppah, you have to untie all of it. You untie his shoes. You, un- you don't have any knots. Even the gartel is untied. The, the tie is undone. No knots. I don't know why, but that's a fit, mezach. And, um, and then you have to dress him. You put on a kittel. On top of his kaput, he puts on a kittel. So the Fidiki Rebbe put the kittel on the Rebbe. Then he put the gartel on the Rebbe. And when he put the gartel on the Rebbe, the Fidiki Rebbe said to the Rebbe, I should really make a brocha 
Oizer Yisrael Begavura to girdle Israel with strength in the morning. One of the brachas we make every single morning is a bracha for the gatl. Oizer Yisrael Begavura said the Fiyid Kevah, but I can't because I already made the bracha in the morning. But and he said in Yiddish, Midem Bindich Dich Tzumich Umich Tzudir Bezeh Ubaba with this gatl, I'm tying you to me and me to you for this world and the next world. There was a very dramatic moment. There were two witnesses. His father-in-law, Rabbi Avraham Shneesim, was a witness, and also the same Elechayim was there. The Friedrich told the Rebbe before his chuppah that he's tying him to him with the gadot. Now, the reason this is significant, and this is hard to prove, but it's my belief, is because there's a whole long history about gadlach. When the middle Rebbe was a, jo- a child, the Alter Rebbe gave him a gadot. He didn't give it to his other sons. When the Tzemach Tzedek was a child, the Rebbe gave him a gatl. He didn't give it to his other grandsons. When the Rebbe Marash was a child, the Rebbe the Tzemach Tzedek gave him a gatl. He didn't give it to his other children. When the Rebbe Rashab was a child, the Rebbe Marash gave him a gatl and didn't give it to his other children. And when the Fiedrich Rebbe was 11, he got a gatl from his father. And when he got that gatl, he told his mother, the Rebbe Tzenifka, I'm thinking to give the Fiedrich Rebbe a gatl. So she said to him, The way your father gave you a gatl. And the Rebbe Rashab said, There was an idea that every Rebbe gave the next Rebbe a gatl. None of the other children. The Rebbe never got such a gatl. So I read between the lines, although there's a lot of, a lot of guessing, a lot of making it up, that the gatl which the Rebbe gave the Rebbe before the chuppah was much more than a gatl. It meant something much deeper. And then they went to the chuppah. The chuppah was in the courtyard of the yeshiva. And Lechayim Altez describes, he was such a miyuchas. He was the Rebbe Shoyman. He sat at the head table. <laughs> but when it came to the chuppah, it was a free-for-all. It was outside. He says, I was old. I couldn't push. I was quickly pushed out. I couldn't see anything. He was a very important member of the wedding. He was a friend of the mishpacha mamish. But by the chuppah, there were no tickets. The chuppah was outside. He says, I found myself, I couldn't see anything, but I could hear the Rebbe went, the Fidikab went to the Chuppah with the Rebbe. And again, the other Shushvin was a Moshe Akoy in Hollenstein. He was a Fidikab's uncle through marriage. They brought the Rebbe to the Chuppah. Then the Fidikab went back and took the Rebbe with the Rebbe in Nechamadina. And again, I'm assuming that the, that the, that the other Shushvin, he says, he says the, the, Musia, the, the Moshe Hollenstein's wife, the Fidikab's aunt, who was the Rebbe Marashot, her name was Chaya Mushka, she was also there. And they brought the Rebbe to the Chuppah. So he writes, Allah Chaim writes, that the whole time the Fidi was singing the Al-Tarebbe's Nigin. The Fidi Kebbe sang the Al-Tarebbe's Nigin with Gvaltike Yisrakshas. They got to the Chuppah, they got to the Makam Chuppah, and it says who, 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 um, who read the Ksubah, and who sang Miyadir, but the Fidi basically did everything. The Fidi did the Siddiq Edushin, and all the Sheva Brachas. The Fidi did everything himself. And Allah Chaim says, I couldn't see the Rebbe, but I heard his voice. And I swear that as the Rebbe said, the Sheva Brachas, I heard the voice of the Rebbe. You understand? El Chaim says, I couldn't see, but I could hear. And I swear that when the Rebbe said the Sheva Brachas, I heard the voice of the Rebbe. Do you understand what I just said? He said he heard the voice of the Rebbe Rashab. That when he heard the Friedrich Rebbe saying the Sheva Brachas, he heard the voice of his father, the Rebbe Rashab. Which reminds me of another important detail about the Chasana, which people don't pay attention to. Do you know, and I'm going to say you don't know this, that the Rebbe Marash said to the Rebbe Rashab, will you wear only on Lubavitch. Huh? The Rebbe Marash, the fourth Lubavitch Rebbe, told the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe, will you wear only on Lubavitch. 
When the Rebbe Rashab traveled, he did not wear Shtaimel on Shabbos and Yom Tov. When the Rebbe Rashab left the Bavit to Tafre Shayevov at the end of 1915, he never put on a Shtaimel for the rest of his life. When the Rebbe Rashab lived in Astov, he wore a Shlape. A hat like this, you know, with the brim up, you know, maybe it didn't have pinches. The Rebbe Rashab did not wear Shtaimel after he left Lubavitch. The Friedrich Rebbe became a Rebbe, he didn't put on a Shtaimel. You never knew this. The Friedrich Rebbe became a Rebbe with a hat, Nebuch. When did the Friedrich put on a Shtaimel the first time as a Rebbe? By our Rebbe's Chasana. To our Rebbe's Chasana, the Friedrich Rebbe put on a Shtaimel. Now, Achitzin would say that he, since he was doing it in Poland, and all the Polish Rebbe's were going to be there, <laughs> it wouldn't have looked right if he didn't go with a Shtaimel. I'm sure there's a Yon and Pnimium. The fact was, the first time the Friedrich put on a Shtaimel was to our Rebbe's wedding. And later on, he told the Rebbe an interesting thing. That a few weeks after the Chasana, the Friedrich Rebbe had a dream, and he saw his father, the Rebbe Rashab, and the Rebbe Rashab told him, quote, a dank Farin Hitler. Thank you for the hat. Thank you for putting on a Shtraimel. And the Friedrich Rebbe told the Rebbe that by your Chasana, I decided to put on a Shtraimel. I wanted to wear my father's, the Rebbe Rashab's, but I couldn't. So I put on my Zaydas. The Friedrich Rebbe couldn't put on his father's hat, it was too hard for him. The Shtraimor Shtafirik ever wore what they call a spodek, the fur hat with the white line running through the middle of it, was the Shtraimor of the Rebbe Marash, of the Firik Rebbe's Zaydeh. That's what he put on by the Rebbe's Chasna, that's what he wore for the duration of his uh, physical life, wore Shtraimor. Um, and it was a big Kiddush, Shtraimor outside Lubavitch. And of course, the Rebbe never put on a Shtraimor in the first place. Now, the Rebbe wore his hat down, you know, like this. And he walked around with white silk gloves. I think even by his chasn he had gloves. He was shaking his hands with gloves. He looked like a French gentleman, not like a chassidish edim. The Rebbe's chitonius, they could look at nishgishtimt. But when he opened his mouth, and Taylor started coming out, he blew people away. The Rebbe's presence was extraordinary. And Bechlal, the Rebbe's eyes, I mean, I'm sure you've heard about the Rebbe's eyes. The Rebbe's eyes were something else. The Rebbe looked at you, and he would burn through you like a fire. I know the experience. I had it happen to me many times. You, you couldn't believe a human being to have shut eyes. I, I, I have eyes. My father has eyes. My wife has eyes. My children have eyes. I look into their eyes. Nothing happens. The Rebbe's eyes were a physical force. They were physical, like, like electricity. Zoop. And he had those eyes when he got married too. He didn't get those eyes when he got older. He had those eyes. The eyes. Talk about eyes being a window to the soul. In the case of the Rebbe, it was a very, very plain and obvious thing. Now wait, listen to me. The Chelek HaRuchni of the Chasana took place in the Yeshiva. The Yeshiva is Tevchtim and Varsha. The Rebbe wanted, the Rebbe wanted that the Chelek HaRuchni should be in the Yeshiva. So the Kabbalah's Panam and the Chup was in the Chelek HaRuchni in the Yeshiva. Then the family members went, to, I think, to the hotel to rest. And there was a break of several hours. Everything was delayed anyway. It was supposed to start at like 4.30, start at like 6.30, 7.30. Everything was very delayed. I don't know the reason, but there's reasons. And uh, then they went to the dinner. The dinner took place in a hall, a big hall that could accommodate many people. And of course the Mechutanim arrived, and the Chazankala arrived, and there was a wedding, they served a meal. Uh, during the meal, it was by invitation only, the Bachrim from Taim Chetmimim and Varsha were invited to the Chasanin. If you learned the Chetmimim and Varsha, you went to the Chasanin, the back table belonged to the Bachrim. And during the dinner... What I'm trying to explain to you, there was a dinner, and then they bench, and then they had a whole night of dancing. It's two separate ceremonies. During the dinner, with my invitation only, the Friedrich took a towel, put it on his left hand, like a waiter, and he held a tray. In the tray, he had a bunch of shot glasses, 
and he held a bottle of mashke, and he would fill up the glasses, and he went from table to table. Imagine that everyone is sitting, and the Rebbe is walking around like a waiter, saying l'chaim with all of the guests. And it was so heartfelt, and it was so intimate, and it was so full of joy. Yechen and Gordon was at that wedding. And he says to Yisrael Gordon, who describes it in the videos, the Rebbe was so happy, the Fidekeb was so joyous, it was like, wow. The elation, the Fidekeb was like walking on water. You saw the Fidekeb, you never saw a man happier than this. He was, he was so happy at the Rebbe's chasne, it's indescribable. And the result of this happiness was an overflowing of brachas. He just showered people with brachas. He went from table to table. People sat, and the Rebbe walked around, the free the Rebbe walked around. I guess he had to have an assistant, because when they took the glasses off the tray, someone to put new glasses on the tray, and I'm assuming they didn't use plastic, they probably used real glass. He would reload the tray, and the Rebbe would fill up all the glasses, and he would give everybody l'chaim, and each one would get a bracha from the Rebbe for what they needed, from table to table. And our Rebbe, and our Rebbe said, I was sitting at the head table, and suddenly the Rebbe, the Shreya, gets a rashal this is before the dancing, this is at the dinner. The Fidekeba gets up and he starts to go around to give mashkes. I thought to myself, the Rebbe's going to stand, how can I sit? So I got up to go and help. Maybe I'll hold a bottle, maybe I'll hold. And the Rebbe, you know, he cooked for him, turned around with his eyes, saying, You're the chosen, tonight you're the king, sit. <laughs> so the Rebbe said, So I remained sitting in my seat, but I was very uncomfortable. And the Fidekeba went to all the tables, every single table, said Lachaim to every guest. Until the Rebbe came and sat back down and continued the Simcha of the Chasana. The last group of people the Rebbe went over to was the Bachrim. The Bachrim were at the back of the hall. And the Rebbe said to the Bachrim, Your Lechayim I'm not going to give to you directly. Your Lechayim I'm going to give to you a Mashpiyim. And Mashpiyim are going to give it to say Lechayim. And the Mashpiyim then, I think Rabbi Alta Sulchavich was their Mashpiyim then. They had good to Mashpiyim, good to good to Mashpiyim. They were good to Bachrim. You realize that the Rebbe's wedding is, 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 is over 90 years ago, right? It's, it's 92 years ago to be exact. It's a long, long, long time ago. And the Rebbe said a short sikha to the Bachrim. He told them, The Teda does not last unless you're Mesa Nefesh. You kill yourself or leave with the Teda. And he encouraged the Bachrim to learn Teda about Smadr Shkidim. During that wedding hall, during that dinner, at some point, the Friedrich Rebbe said loud, as biti nosati leish, it's a pasuk in Chumash. As biti nosati leish hazeh, but the Rebbe just said the first part. I gave my daughter to a ish, to a man. The Fidikeba had three daughters. I don't think he said it by all three chasanas. You understand? As biti nosati leish, I have given my daughter to an ish. The Rebbe's father heard about this, and he wrote the Rebbe and said, "I want you to tell me every single nice thing the Fidikeba said about you." I'm your father and I have a right to know. I don't know after that, but the Fidikeb during that week made comments showing the pride that he felt that he took the Nebuchadnezzar and ate him, took the Nebuchadnezzar and our Nebuchadnezzar. At that point, it was for a son-in-law. Now at one point they benched, they benched, and after benching there were new guests who got the third tickets. We'll be recalled today, Simon Chosna, Makala went our whole night, that's till the morning. During that night, a lot of the Polish Rebbe's came. Yechon and Gordon remembered he described it, a, a, a dance of Rebis. Now today a dance of Rebis just means chassidim who don't forget to brush their beard on that particular day. But in Poland, 90 years ago, there were big tzaddikim, emesa tzaddikim. And he said, Yechanan said, watching the Friyidike Rebbe dance with other tzaddikim, 
I'm not chas comparing other tzaddikim to feed a kirebe, but you could see holiness. You could see that this was different. This was holy people dance in a holy way, and the whole ring of rebbes they danced together. They participated in the. They came to the chasen, um, and they danced the whole night. Fartog, the Rebbe said a maimer, another maimer, second maimer, Asher Baras Hasem Asimcha Chosem Bakala, which is printed, of course, in the Dedushe Chasene. And that's the story of the wedding itself. The next day, there was a minig in Poland, which was called Tzutasaniyim. It's a good thing to do, you should know. Tzutasaniyim means a feast to invite poor people to a wedding. Today, somebody told me, Chesed's name told me, Yenis Nahakner told me, you have to hang up a wedding invitation in 770. I said, Why? Because you need to have people by your wedding who were not invited. That's what they told me. You have to hang up a wedding invitation. You have to have poor by your wedding. You can't make a chasna and not have shnada sitting and eating your chicken. It's true. It's, it's, it's a good, it's a correct, he's right. He's really right. Uh, I know, but the, the wedding invitations bring them. He was saying that it's negeya. It's negeya, the schus of the chasna and kale. To have people like that at the wedding. And, um, but in Poland, they made a special meal. The next day was a dinner, Pashit. And I think the Fidika even participated. And hundreds and hundreds of people who were poor came. And it was one of the things you did when you made a wedding, you Isn't made that a citizen. Like it's very, very embarrassing for them. You know what's even more embarrassing? Being hungry. Being hungry. This was the tradition. You know, we're coming from Thanksgiving yeah? in America. The president goes and he gives, he goes to a, a homeless shelter and he gives people food. It's embarrassing for them too, right? But what's more embarrassing is they should go hungry. Unfortunately, there's poverty in the world, and there's a mini gisalteri. When you make a simcha for yourself, you shouldn't forget what the Gemara says: the my four, the gate and the yosem and the almona and the levi. You have the ben and the bas. And the, you have your four and I have my four. The Ebi says, you look after my four and I'll look after your four. Which is the, the Yasim and the Amona, the orphan and the widow and the convert and the Oni, the poor person. So in those days, it was part of the tradition to make a Nochasuda. Now there's more to the story, which I'm going to tell uh, tomorrow at one o'clock. If you want, send me an email after tomorrow at three o'clock and I'll try to send it to you. Good day. Thank you all for coming and listening. Yes.